All right, you guys can be seated. We're still having nursery today, but since it's Fifth Family Sunday, 4 to 12 staying up. And so I guess you're wondering what this guy's doing here. So we, I've asked Blaine to read our scriptures for us this morning. Yeah. Y'all know Blaine Smith? All right. So <clears throat> the Lord of Heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On the day the arrogant and the wicked will be burned like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if you were dust under your feet, uh, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servants, all the decrees and reg regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I'm sending you the prophet of Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and shock the land with a curse. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this okay, I'm gonna have to work on my deep voice because <laughs> now I sound like a wimp next to this guy. I mean, come on. Well, thanks, Blaine. So I don't know. I actually told him if he just wanted to preach, he could preach too. So thank you, Blaine. Well, isn't this a great day? All the kids taking part. Yes. Amen. Amen. So um, the big idea this morning is this. The spirit of Elijah turns the hearts of the generations toward each other and to wisdom. And so, as Blaine read, he talked about there in Malachi, the coming of the spirit or the coming of Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And so, this, we're starting a new series this morning called The Spirit of Elijah. And so, in Malachi, and we're going to look at some other verses in just a moment, he talks about how this, the, the Elijah will come before Jesus comes, before the return of the Lord, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And I believe that we are in a moment in time where the spirit of Elijah is on the earth. Yes. I, I believe the spirit of Elijah is moving in the church, is moving on the earth again, preparing the way of the Lord. And even though all of us in this room may not be called to be you know, that Elijah person that's wearing the camel hair and eating locusts and honey. The church is being called, all of us are being called to be in cooperation and alignment with the spirit of Elijah. Amen. And so the Bible also says in Luke chapter 1, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom 
of the godly. And so we're talking about this scripture, the last part of this scripture in Malachi, and here it says in Luke chapter 1, where it says, The spirit of Elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And since it's a fifth fifth family Sunday, I'm so glad that we're talking about fathers and sons. And don't get hung up, ladies, don't get hung up on just fathers, because this is talking to, to mothers too. It's talking about parents and generations. And, and so it, we're going to talk about the fact that he turns the hearts of generations to each other, and he turns the, turns the hearts of rebellious to the wisdom of God. And so it says that he's going to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord, to prepare the way of the Lord. Even in Isaiah, it says this, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then in Mark chapter 1, as Mark opens up the gospel, he says, this is the good news. This is the gospel. <clears throat> and he says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He has a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. And so we know even Jesus one time was asked, well, hey, Jesus, we thought the Bible said Elijah was going to come first. And he said, well, if you can receive it, he's already been here. And then he begins to talk about John the Baptist. So we know before Jesus' first coming, the spirit of Elijah rested on John the Baptist. And so he was this voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord. But if you read Malachi, it's not just referring to Jesus' first coming, but it's also referring to his second coming. And is there anybody in the room who feels like we're getting closer to the second coming? Amen. Amen. And so the spirit of Elijah, I believe, is on the earth. It, like I said, it may rest in different people in different ways, but it's still crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And it's going to bring the hearts of fathers back to the children and children back to the fathers. And so in Malachi and in Luke, we read this statement that he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And the children back to the fathers. And I think there's four, at least four different ways that the spirit of Elijah wants to do this in today's culture, right now, today. One is in the family. God's wanting to call the hearts of parents towards their kids. He's wanting them to make their kids a priority. He's wanting them to love their kids. And can I tell you this? That the church will always be secondary to the family in teaching your children about Jesus. Now, we, here at River of Life, we value children's ministries. You've seen our children all over the place this morning, and we love our kids. And every week we're thinking about Chris and Amanda are down there doing a fantastic job and all their volunteers. Yes. And Tyler and Emily and Chloe are down there with the youth every Wednesday night. Yes. And, and so... This isn't like a secondary thing to us. We are thinking about it all the time. We're providing, just starting next week, I think, we're starting a new three-year-old class because our nursery is growing and we want to make sure all of our kids are being ministered to. But listen, that's always going to be secondary to mom and dad teaching their children about who Jesus is and leading them to the Lord. And then after they are led to the Lord, teaching them how to grow in Christ and teaching them the Bible. Listen, parents, Listen very carefully. Do not let your children get their spiritual worldview world at the lunch table and on the school bus. Amen. 
Because so many times when kids get to a certain age, they begin to tune mom and dad out, and they're, they're, they think that their friends have all the answers, right, kids? Because your mom and dad are old, and they don't know anything anymore, and they're not cool. But that's what mom and dad, you got to stay in there, man. Yeah. Stay in there and just keep teaching them about Jesus. Keep bringing them to church. Keep leading them and guiding them. And listen, moms and dads, you've got to be the spiritual head of your home. You've got to be the spiritual head of your home. God's called you to do that. What I mean by that is don't let little Johnny decide if he gets to come to church. Johnny, do you feel like getting up and going to church this morning? No, mom, I don't. Okay, baby. <laughs> come on, guys. Little Johnny's eight years old. You're going to let him be the spiritual head of your home? Come on. We love Johnny. If you love Johnny, you're not always going to be concerned about making him happy. If there's a Johnny in the room, I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> I'm just using that hypothetically. They say Mark. Mark, we'll, we'll talk about my name. So I'm just saying we've got to be the heads of our homes, moms and dads, and leading them to Jesus and not leaving that up to somebody else. Amen? And then kids, listen to me for a minute. He says he's also going to turn the hearts of the children towards their fathers. That doesn't just mean dad. It means mom and dad in the home we're talking about right now. So that means we've got to honor our parents. We've got to honor our parents. No rebellion. And I know, I know, I can remember, believe it or not, I can remember being a teenager. <laughs> and thinking my parents just don't understand. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm almost 60 years old, and I can remember high school just like it was yesterday. And I know that you all are facing things I didn't have to face in high school. I know that. But I can also remember some of the emotions. I can remember some of those things, and your parents do too. And your parents have lived some life, and they love you. And the Bible tells us that if we will honor our mother and our father, it has a promise to it that we'll live long upon the earth. Which means, if you stay rebellious, your parents may take you out of this earth. <laughs> and if, you, if you've honored them, they may let you stick around for a while. Right? So we've got to love our kids in our home. And that doesn't mean giving them everything they want. But it means giving them what they need. And what do they need more than anything? Jesus. They need to be plugged into a church. They need to be in a group of other believers. They need to hear about Jesus around the supper table and the breakfast table. And when you're in the car driving to school and all those places, you've got to be teaching about Jesus. Amen. So the spirit of Elijah is here now on the earth, turning the, the hearts of the fathers back towards the children and the children back towards their parents. And can I just interject this? Because the second place, I believe, is in society. It's in society because we have this division. And so many of the problems we have right now are because parents are absent. How many kids do you know? Now listen, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying right now, okay? Just stick with me for a minute. Are being raised by grandparents or aunts and uncles because mom and dad just checked out. They just checked out. They're doing their own thing. And so we have this generation of kids growing up that are angry and frustrated. And they don't even know why they're angry and why they're frustrated. Because, but they're mad because mom and dad left them. And so we in our culture, we've got to turn our hearts back to our kids and our kids back to our, our families. That's part of preparing the way of the Lord. It's not just good family dynamics. It's preparing the way of the Lord like the spirit of Elijah, right? And in, this, in our culture, in our society, we have so much division between race 
and religion and ages. And guys, listen to me. When we begin to dishonor the different age groups, even if it's the unborn, and we no longer value them, or we no longer value the aged, we are going against God's word right there. And so we need to give God, we need to give honor and respect and love to all age groups and, and cut out this division and stop thinking that the old people don't know what they're doing, young people don't know what they're doing because we're left with nobody knowing anything then, right? <laughs> and so we got to love each other. And then also in the body of Christ, we need spiritual mothers and fathers to turn their hearts towards spiritual children. Now here's the first thing. Before you can be a spiritual mother or father, you've got to be a spiritual son or daughter. Which, number one, means you've got to be a child of God. And you've got to know that you're a child of God. And the Heavenly Father is your father. And you are loved by him and you are valued by him. And you are planted on this earth in his image. And you have value and purpose and plans that he's placed inside of you. And you have got to live as a son or a daughter of God. It also means that you have to align yourself with people who are more mature than you. And let me just say this. If you don't know anybody that's more mature than you, if you don't know anybody that knows the Lord more than you or knows more the Bible than you or who is ahead of you spiritually, you're in a bad place. Either you're operating in pride or you're not running with the right people. Because God has always got people ahead of us, right? And then... Once we align ourselves with people who can teach us and grow us, we're also called to speak into other people's lives. I remember our good friend Rick Clendenin used to always say, everybody needs a Paul and everybody needs a Timothy. Everybody needs a Paul that, that they're learning from, they're, they're receiving mentoring from, receiving teaching from. They need a Timothy that they're pouring into. And God's called every one of you all to do that. Yes. Every one of you all to do that. And sometimes in the church, we approach this the wrong way. We cannot go to people who are newly saved or newly to church or newly to our church and just come from this view of, let me tell you everything you're doing wrong and just watch me because I do it all right. That goes over so well. People love that kind of, I'm just kidding. We got to come to them as, look, man, I don't know everything I'm still growing, but I see what you're doing. I see you reading your Bible. I see you praying. I see you bringing your family to church. I see, I see you doing the right things. Can I just, what can I do for you? Can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Let me share you a scripture with you the Lord gave me this week. I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm just wanting to love on you. And sometimes in the church, we have the older generation look at the younger generation and like they don't know anything again and they're young and we have the older generation go man if they could ever just begin to do it our way and can I tell you I learn from young people every day I'm not a young person anymore I have to admit it I, it hurts me to admit it but I'm not one of you guys anymore but I learn from them every day in my in my other profession I work with kids and I learn from them every day in this church the young people are teaching me stuff all the time I'm always open to hear what they have to say because they're looking at things from different from me but on the flip side young folks you got to value some of us with different colored hair gray hair no hair whatever because some of us have lived through some life enough to make some mistakes yeah, yeah, we have. 
Don't ask us about it. We ain't going to tell you. But we made some. Don't ask us. We're not going to. But, but because we have, we've got some wisdom. We've lived through some stuff. We tried that once, found out it didn't work. That thing you're wanting to do, we did it once. No, we ain't going to do that again. Maybe you did it three times. We're not going to do it again, though. We're, we're not going to. And, and so we've learned that stuff, right? Yeah. And so we need to value each other. We need to quit looking at each other like, you know, the other one's the enemy or the other one's so different we can't relate because God's called us to turn our hearts to each other. So, so listen, we need to be investing, empowering and imparting into the younger generation. And I'm not just talking about chronological age. I'm talking about spiritual age, chronological age. So we have people coming into the church all the time, maybe new to church, never been to church. And so we need to find ways to empower them. We need to find ways to teach them, impart things into them. Last week, Emily preached a great message on impartation. And we need to be imparting into them the things that God has imparted into us and, and taught us. And so we need to value each other. And like I said, we have to be children's ministry, youth ministry is a priority here. And we need to take the responsibility as a church and of those of you who've been saved a few years to begin to shepherd those people. Yes. Shepherd those young people. Yes. And what I mean by shepherding, protect them, yes. love on them, yes. guide them. Be the person who's watching over them, taking care of them. And if you see young people in this church who don't have a natural father or natural mother, man, align yourself with them. I'm not talking about doing something crazy like, you know, you have to start doing. Just, just find them, love on them. And can I just say this for a moment? Because I, I don't want any condemnation this morning. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? So if you're here this morning and you're a single parent or you're operating as a single parent, or you're a grandparent raising kids, man, God bless you. We love you. We value you. And don't receive any lies of the devil that says that because of your situation, your child can't grow up to be something great. You, that child will grow up because they have Jesus, right? And the church just wants to come along the side, beside you and help you and love you. Amen? Amen? So that's who we are at River of Life. And then the last place, fourth, is theologically. C.S. Lewis used this term that I love. It's called chronological snobbery. Chronological snobbery is this, that we're smarter than all the people who lived before us. So we are much smarter than anybody who lived in the 1200s, 1400s, 1600s. We're smarter than them. Truth is, this is truth, IQ has not changed since the beginning of time. We are no smarter. Now, we have some things that they didn't have. But they are, we're no smarter than they are. And so to look back at our spiritual fathers and think they didn't have it all figured out, but now we know what the Bible means and they didn't, is chronological snobbery. We have 2,000 years, 2,000 years of brilliant, godly men and women studying the Bible, studying stuff that I've never studied, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, Aramaic, doing all these things. And they, they've given us a lot of teaching over 2,000 years. And for us to come along and say, they don't know anything. We've got all the revelation. It's chronological snobbery. And so we need to turn our hearts towards our fathers. But I believe that God does this. I believe that God is all the time using new ways of revealing old truths. Have you ever read a scripture before and then you read it a few months later and you get something out of it you never got before? God is all the time through the church using new revelation, new ways of teaching old truths. But 
as Rick Clinton also said, there's nothing new under the sun. And God never, never, and it will never reveal new truth. Truth is set. You hear what I'm saying? Truth is set. So it's not, the truth is not going to change that, oh, by the way, Jesus didn't die on a cross. Yeah, he did. In here, it's truth, right? And here's truth. And so if we get some new truth that, that Martin Luther never heard about, we get some new truth that Spurgeon never heard about, we get some new truth that all these guys, the fathers of our faith, never heard about, and you start hearing that taught, beware, that's heresy. Amen? And I just want to say that to be aware of that. So we need to be turning. At the same time, though, let me say this. From the other side, those who have been around for a while don't need to reject every time somebody has a new way of revealing an old truth. As long as it's truth. Amen? Amen? All right. So he says in the Bible here in Malachi 4, he also says, if we don't do this, God says he'll come and strike the land with a curse. And I believe that we're living under a certain curse in America right now because for so long there's been so much division and we've not had our hearts turned towards our spiritual fathers and our spiritual fathers not turned towards our spiritual children and our mothers and fathers have not had their hearts turned towards their kids or at least not in the right way. And so the, uh, the reverse of that would be if we do what the spirit of Elijah is prompting us to do, there will be blessing on our earth be blessing in the land. Amen. So he also says this, and I'll try to get through this quickly. He will turn the hearts of the rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. In Proverbs chapter four, he says this, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. <laughs> now that's, that's, some, that's some wisdom right there. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And the spirit of Elijah is to turn the hearts of the rebellious Back towards the wisdom of the godly. And so, what is the wisdom of the godly? One is the scriptures. In Psalm 19, it says this. In Psalm 19, verse 7, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The instructions of the Lord are wisdom. This is wisdom. Anything that you hear that contradicts this, anything that you are taught that goes against the word of God is foolishness, it is not wisdom. And so we live in an era when people are trying to tell us that this is some antiquated book that no longer is valid, that it's because culture has changed and times have changed, this doesn't apply anymore. And that is foolishness because all of this is wisdom. And so the spirit of Elijah is here to turn our hearts back to this. We don't need to be swayed by everything coming and going. We need to be in this book, reading this book, because when we read it, we get wisdom. The Spirit of God is wisdom. And any rejection of the truth of the Bible is rebellion against the one who made you. And so listen, guys. I'm not against science. I think science is wonderful. Science has given us some powerful things. Guys, study your science in school. Get A's in science. It's important. But science doesn't have all the answers yet. Right. And they never will. Right. And so when science says that you can change genders, that's baloney. Because the Bible says that he made us man and woman. Two options. That's it. Right? Science says that a, 
that an unborn baby is a fetus, it's not a person. No, the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and, and God knitted us together in our mother's wombs and he was in us and he had purpose and plans in us before we were ever born. So don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. And so anything that, that we have that comes against this, listen, science doesn't have all the answers. There was one time when science told us the earth was flat. And if you believe science over the word of God, the, you know the Bible talks about the earth being a sphere? Just a few months ago, within months, a couple years ago, doctors, smart people, scientists were arguing, masks are good, masks are bad, masks are good, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. If you wear a mask, it'll save your life. If you, wear, if you don't wear a mask, it'll kill you. All the, who was right? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? We still don't know. Right? I heard of a meeting long to, not long ago that these, at, at a school, and they were trying to decide, and two doctors going at it. One is for masks. Why? Because they were relying on science, and we still don't know the answer. All I'm saying is science doesn't always have the answer, but the Word has the answer to everything. The Word has the answer to everything. And I know, I know that sometimes that when we read the Bible, we come across scriptures that are hard to understand. I heard Robert Morris say this this past week. I love this. Okay, if you're not taking notes, hang with me because this is, this is deep theology, okay? He said, if you come across a scripture that you don't understand, <clears throat> it's because you don't understand. <laughs> you got that? And so what he was saying, and what I agree with him is, if you come across a scripture you don't understand, it's not God's problem. It's not the word of God's problem. We just don't have the revelation yet. It's our problem. And so to come across the scripture, there's, can I just tell you, there's stuff in here I still don't understand. A lot of stuff I just still don't understand. A lot of stuff. But I can't reject it as not being true just because I don't understand it yet. Amen. We just need to keep praying and asking God. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is also the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. It's not talking about being scared of God. Listen, kids, you don't have to be scared of God. Listen, grown-ups, you don't have to be scared of God. The Bible tells us that we can boldly come before His throne of grace. It calls us sons and daughters of God. He doesn't want us to be scared of Him, but He wants us to come to Him with a reverence and an awe. That he is holy and perfect. And he's surrounded by angels, millions of angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. And when we come to him, we don't need to disregard his power and his majesty and his might. And so the spirit of Elijah is saying, let's, let's return to that wisdom of knowing that God is the king of the universe. All powerful, all knowing. He's not just some sugar daddy in the sky. He's not somebody that we need to make light of. He's God. He's the one who gives you your breath and can take your breath away. Amen. And when we approach him with that reverence and fear of the Lord, then we have the beginning of wisdom. And then the Bible also says this. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And if we want to turn back to the wisdom of the godly, we need to turn to Jesus. If you want to live a wise life, live like Jesus lived. Invite him into your life. If you've not already done that this morning, we want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you. I need your wisdom. 
I need your wisdom. I need you to come in the wisdom, the power and the wisdom of Jesus to be in my life because I need power and I need wisdom. We all need that, right? And so when we reject Jesus, we're rejecting wisdom. And when Jesus comes along, he knocks at the heart of our door and we're rejecting. We're saying, I'm choosing foolishness over wisdom because Jesus is wisdom. Share one more scripture with you real quick. I read this this week in our Bible reading. In 2 Kings, it said, They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. I'm going to read that again. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. What we worship is what we become like. And so if we worship the things of the world, if we worship celebrities and athletes and politicians and ideologies that aren't in the word of God, and we worship those things, we're going to become like those. But when we worship God, when we worship Jesus, the more we worship, the more we become like him. And the Bible gives us a great promise about getting the wisdom of the godly. It says in Proverbs chapter 24, in the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. Guys, you want a bright future? Kids, you want a bright future? Adults, you want a bright future? then find the wisdom of God. Find the wisdom of God, and you'll have a bright future. Your future will be so bright you have to wear shades. That's an old song from the 80s. <clears throat> Maybe the 90s, I'm not sure. Look it up. Look it up. Okay? So, listen. The spirit of Elijah is about preparing the way of the Lord. And he's called all of us in this room to prepare the way of the second coming of Jesus. And it begins here. Now, we're going to talk about some other things in the next couple, few weeks, but it begins with turning our hearts towards each other and finding the wisdom of God. Would you stand with me?